Praise the name of the Lord. This is D.K. Grills with Rock Solid Truth Live. I'm so glad each and every one of you have joined us for our Rock Solid Truth broadcast. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you and praise you in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We exalt and magnify your name, glorifying you, and thanking you, Lord, for what you're doing in the midst of your people. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory that your holy name shall be exalted. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want you to look at Romans chapter 15, verse 13, and I want you to, I want to ask you a question, because the scripture says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, and then notice what it says, how that joy and peace comes forth is in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What a powerful word. Look at John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. We have been speaking about the Holy Ghost. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Notice what the Scripture says. It's expedient that I go away. Jesus is really saying it's necessary for you that I go away. It's beneficial for you that I go away, so that I can send the Comforter. You remember about the centurion. He came to Jesus, and his servant was sick. And he told Jesus that uh, he, is, he, he loved his servant and he wanted him to be healed. And Jesus says, I'll go. I'll come to your house. And, G and, the, and the centurion said, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Only speak the word, and my servant shall be healed. How many Christians would say that? Most Christians would want Jesus to come to their house. Most Christians would want Jesus to sit down and have a meal with them. Most Christians would want the presence of Jesus Christ in their place. This man says, you don't need to come. Just speak the word. And now Jesus says in John 16, he says, I tell you the truth, it's expedient that I go away. In other words, I'm going to send you the comforter, and it's necessary that I go away. It's beneficial for you to go away so that I can send that comforter to you. Look at John chapter 8, verse 3. John chapter 8, verse 3. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. 
Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw that, saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, here's a woman that has been taken in the very act. And there's a multitude of people who would wonder why Jesus would not condemn her. And yet, the scripture tells us that Christ was not holding us accountable for our sins. We were not being held accountable. He was reconciling the world unto himself. And here this woman taken in the very act of adultery. Her sins are before her. Her accusers are before her. And she's brought before Christ. And this is what he says. I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. No, he was not saying that adultery was okay. He was not saying that her sin was okay. But what he was saying is that he was not going to condemn her, and he told her, go and sin no more. Now, I said all that to say this. Are we to believe that Christ, who is the Savior of the world, would come and reconcile the world unto himself? He would not condemn this this adulterous woman caught in the very act. And now we're going to believe that Christ is going to send the Holy Ghost. He says, it's expedient that I go that he may come, and now we are going to believe that the Holy Ghost was sent to condemn us of our sins. Are we to believe that? Here's the truth that is literally going to topple a multitude of things, including theology. You see, I know multitudes of people in Pentecostal churches who have embraced this teaching. They believe that it's the Holy Ghost who makes them wail and travail at an altar because of the condemnation of their sin. I've seen them literally crying, wailing at the altar, saying, Holy Spirit, Lord, please forgive me. I won't do it again. Please forgive me. And they say that this is the act of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it in Pentecostal churches over and over and over again. And it's that kind of a relationship with Christ that brings us to the place that we will never be able to enter into a relationship without condemnation, without guilt, without unworthiness. We'll never be able to enter into a relationship if that's the kind of thinking and mentality that we have concerning the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Ghost doesn't bring us to condemnation, doesn't bring us to shame, doesn't bring us to guilt. You see, Jesus says, I'm going to send the comforter, and he's going to be someone just like me. What did Jesus say to this woman? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are on Christ Jesus. Wow. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh. Is there condemnation in the flesh? Yes, there is. Is there condemnation in your conscience? Yes, there is. Look what it says. But there is no condemnation to those who walk after the Spirit. Not after the flesh. There are consequences to sin in the flesh. There is guilt in the flesh of sin. But to those that walk after the Spirit, there is none. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. First John three eighteen. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Now I dealt with this last Sunday night. What a radical statement. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. If you are of the truth, then you're going to have to assure your heart before him. That's what the scripture says. What a radical statement. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and we shall and shall assure our hearts before him. You have to assure your hearts before him to know that you are of the truth. What did you just say? What did you say, preacher? I said, you have to assure your hearts before him to know that you are of the truth. In order to know that you are truly born again, in order to truly know that you are a true follower of the Lord, you're going to have to assure your hearts before him. We had talked about this previous last week, about the Nicene doctrine that had crept into the church 50 years, probably after the ascension of Christ. And multitudes of people are claiming to be born again who have not had a true experience with Christ. And John is writing these epistles to counter that which has crept into the church. And the statement that he makes here in 1 John chapter 3, 19, had to shake some of those believers. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Here's what John is saying. 
if you see your relationship with Christ changing your action, if you see your relationship with Christ changing your attitudes and changing your emotions, if you see yourself starting to act more in response to Christ according to the Word, if you see your nature responding more to the Word of God instead of that to your flesh, if you find yourself responding more to love through Scripture than you do to anger through flesh, this is how you assure your heart by the truth before him. And this is what John is saying in 1 John 3.19. Here's what most people believe. That if you're right with God, if you're right, if you're in right standing with God, you will automatically know that you are right with God. Most people believe that if you believe you're right with God, that there's no doubt then, and there's no unbelief, there's no reservations, and there's no questions, and there's no condemnation. If you knew that, you were right with the Lord. If you were pleasing unto the Lord, there would be automatically the assurance and confidence. That is what most people believe, even Pentecostal people. But that is not what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture is saying that hereby we know that we are of the truth if, I am, if we assure our hearts before him. So are you telling me, preacher, that we have to assure our hearts before him? That's what the Word says. The word shall assure in the Greek is pytho, and it means to convince, to have confidence, to trust. The Word is actually telling you that you need to convince your heart that you're of the truth. Why would you need to convince your heart that you're of the truth? Because the heart is wicked above all things. That's what the Scripture says. The heart is wicked above all things. You have to literally convince your heart that you're of the truth. It means to remove doubt. We remove unbelief. And when you remove doubt and confidence, you gain confidence because you've convinced your heart of the truth. You have to stand against doubt. You have to remove doubt. You have to assure your heart that you are of the truth because the Word of God reveals truth, and the truth makes you free. You have to convince your heart that you are truly in a relationship with God. And this is not just limited to your initial forgiveness of your sins when you were first born again. You've got to assure your heart that you're healed. You have to assure your heart that you're delivered. You have to assure your heart that you are prosperous. You have to assure your heart that you have been forgiven. You have to assure your heart that you are born again. You have to assure your heart that you speak in tongues with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You have to assure your heart that you're in right standing with God. You even have to assure your heart that you are pleasing to God, that God has anointed you. 
that inside of you is resurrection power, dynamite power. You must assure your heart of your relationship with God. And this is what John is telling us. This is profound. And yet very few of God's people walk in this revelation. Most people believe that if it's so, you'll know it. If you were anointed, you would know it. If you were pleasing to God, you would know it. If you were healed, you would know it, and there wouldn't be any pain. That is not what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture says that you must assure your heart that you are in truth. Powerful. You see, many people believe in the supernatural power of God. Many people believe that God can heal, God can deliver, God can forgive, God can bring forth prosperity, God can supply every need, God is able to do all things. 99% of God's people believe that. We stand on it. But the problem that we have It's not about God being able to do all of these things. Your problem is that you have not assured your heart that you are of the truth. And because your hearts have not been assured in truth before him, here's what your heart does. It condemns you. The scripture tells you that if you're left to yourself, if you're left to your own devices, your heart is not going to minister unto you in faith. It's not going to minister minister unto you in goodness. And it's not going to believe in that which is true. Because here's what the heart does. It gravitates to the lowest common denominator and brings to you doubt, unbelief, and falsehood. That's what your heart does. That's why the Word of God tells you that your soul must be renewed. That's why the Word of God tells you that you've been given the new man. The old man is dead, so that the new man can begin to walk in the very things that have been provided for him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Your heart wants to bring you to the place that you relate to feeling. Not faith, feeling. Your conscience is constantly evaluating everything is and everything that's taking place in your life. And it's condemning everything that you have ever done wrong. That's what your conscience does. And if your conscience is not condemning you concerning something that you've done, then it is condemning you over something that you should be doing. Here's the agenda of your conscience. You're not loving people the way that you should be loving people. You are not doing what is right. You're overweight. You're not eating right. You're not compassionate. You're not sensitive. You're not tithing. You've ignored what should be done. You have failed in this and you have failed in that. You are responding in the wrong way concerning them. This is what your conscience does. And if you have not assured your heart of the truth, 
that you are living in truth if you not assured your heart of your relationship with God and Jesus Christ, then your conscience is going to make you live in a constant state of failure. If you do not assure your heart of truth before him, then your heart will always condemn you. If you do not assure your heart in truth, then your heart will take away your confidence. Your heart will take away your assurance. Your heart will take away the reality of the promises of the Word of God. You pray for something, you pray for someone and they're not healed, your conscience will say, why weren't they healed? You're the problem. And in order to come to this place of assurance in your heart concerning the truth, it's a hard place. Because it takes a tremendous amount of energy and effort to change that. Your heart has to be assured. I'll say it again. Your heart has to be assured. Because it will not be assured automatically. Your heart is not going to just spring forth with abundance and confidence. Your heart has to be assured. And the reason that your heart has to be assured, this is what John is telling you. This is what John is saying. The reason that your heart has to be assured, because your conscience is all about condemning you. The reason that your conscience condemns you is because your conscience knows you. And the reason that you must assure your heart is because it is in complete contradiction to what it knows about you. That's why you become born again. That's why you become the new man. Because if that new man is to renew your mind to show that you are worthy, that you have been given and you have been provided with the nature of Christ. And the Word of God tells us that even your conscience is purged when you become born again. But the reality is, in most people, that is not true. Why? Because they do not allow their conscience to be purged. Something will, their conscience will jump up and say this or that, and they will not condemn it. That's what the Word of God tells you, that every, every tongue that condemns you, you have the authority to cast it down. What a tremendous word. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you and praise you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your children. And thank you, Lord, for those that have gathered tonight to hear your word. This is D.K. Groove with Rock Solid Truth. Go with God. I guarantee you, he will surely go with you. <laughs>